All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. It's just Tim today again. John, we got to talk about adding my name to the the song because this is enough. I mean, this is it's getting out of hand. Um, you you keep just ditching me and letting me do this thing on my own, and I just feel like I need to at least hear my name with with the music. So there it is. Uh, John's a busy guy right now. We talked about that. He's actually had to move uh, this weekend, so the last couple of days have just been chaos. I'm gonna guess he hasn't slept very much at all. I haven't heard too much about it, but I'm sure he'll update us all when he when he's back. Hopefully on Wednesday. But in the meantime, um, let's do another throwback episode. So I, if you guys listened to my solo episode the other day, you know that I, I mentioned the Marty Baron interview as kind of one of my first ones. I think it was the first one that I was actually in on. Maybe that's what, what made it so special for me. Um, but he's also a great guest. He had these amazing stories. We talked about some of the torts ones already, so I'm not going to you know, um, hammer that in too hard. But we have, I mean, Marty Baron, he was drafted in the first round and a couple of injuries came in. And he had to make his NHL debut at age 18 in Pittsburgh in the old Mellon Arena against Jager and Lemieux in their primes. Uh, he let up four goals in the first period. So how's that for a welcome to the show? Um, they also talk about playing cards on the plane uh, and some of the different games they played and how good John was at it. And I think John supplemented his income with some of that money. Um, and even like, you know, Marion Gabryk in New York kept the game going because he didn't care how much money he lost because he was making so much. He just kept putting in, you know, hundreds and hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars more just to get back in and try to win. Um, Biron is pretty, he's pretty open and candid about when he knew it was time to retire. I think his second to last game was the, the day that Thomas Hurdle scored four goals as a 19 year old, um, including the one between the legs that he scored on Biron. So, um, that was kind of a cool story. I think he said he played one more game, and then uh, he knew that was it was time for him. Um, and then, what's it like to play, you know, alongside or behind 
three of the greatest goalies to ever play the game. Obviously, Dominic Kozik, arguably the, the greatest of all time, but certainly in the top three um, with Brodeur and Waugh. And then Ryan Miller, you know, coming up ahead of him, maybe grooming him a little bit. Not that Miller probably needed a ton of grooming. And then finally finishing his career behind Lundqvist. I mean, talk about just an absolute legendary trio of goalies um, that Biron has has played a big part in, in, in their success. And I'm sure they played a big part in his as well. So the great interview. There's a lot more in there. Um, this interview took place, I think, as May of 2019. So it's been a good 18 months since this was first released. And at the time, it was only episode 40. And now we're at like 170 or something, something crazy like that. So it's been a lot of, it's been a long time. Uh, I thought we'd revisit this and give it another listen. And uh, so without further ado, here's Marty Baron. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. The lack of quality candidates for jobs is remarkable, especially with these kids going through university thinking they're the cat's meow. They think they know better than anybody. It's important to have a company to help you find that candidate. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and they'll see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing, and the Bills are seven and two. Tim, can you believe that? It's the Pats' records right now. What are they? What are they? Two and six. They are horrendous. But football is back, and you might not be at any of the games. Hopefully, not any of the Pats' games. You might barf if you see it, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this series, win this season. Excuse me, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Hey, uh, Marty, Tim's here too, your best friend you've been texting with. <laughs> What's up, Marty? Yeah, Tim and I are on, uh, I, you know, like people are asking me, who are you texting to? I'm like, yeah, it's just them. I know it's funny. I like, we'll give, I'll give people Marty or Tim numbers of friends that I know. And he just like two weeks later, he'll, he'll call me. He's like, yeah, you know, I was just talking with uh, Marty Biron or this guy or that guy. Like he just takes advantage of liberties. I don't think he should. Ah, you know what? That's good. And then next step is he's going to be like, Hey, I'm in Buffalo. Uh, Can you get me a couple tickets? And uh, yeah, that's what it's going to (laughs) be. No, he's going to be all over you. He's not going to stop. He's really, no, no, I'll play it. Cool. Don't worry, Marty. (laughs) I'll put a block right after this uh, this recording. I'll put Please a block do. on it. Please do. <laughs> he did write. He did write a lot of interesting questions for you, Marty. Like a lot. 
Oh, good. I know the feedback on Twitter. There was a lot of people that had some, you know, good stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, you bringing in some heat. All right. Tim, go ahead. Tim's got the heat right here. Well, we should officially introduce it. Like, we'll oh, start from... I thought we already started, but yeah, we okay. some of it, but... Hello, everybody. Welcome. We're officially starting the interview with Marty Biron on Dropping the Gloves with John Scott. Marty, good afternoon. It felt like we were we were talking for 15 minutes, and we thought we were full-time on the interview, and now we got to restart again. Well, that's I don't what know happens. I thought, I thought we were recording. Tim ruins everything. We'll use a lot of it. Don't worry. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, thanks for coming on, Marty. I know you're very busy with your kids and your wife and all the other activities that you do with the TV and the radio and the podcast, and who knows, you probably teach. You probably do goalie camps. I have too many jobs. You're right. I have too many jobs. I do TV, radio, uh, here in Buffalo with the Sabres. Uh, you know, I'm on the ice with the Academy of Hockey. Not as much as I used to, but and now hockey's starting. It's crazy. It's the first week of uh, August, and my my son's got practice tonight. Tomorrow he's got a game Sunday. We're full go in the hockey now. So yeah, I've got the I got a lot of things going. But listen, I was excited when you reached out and you want to uh, have me on the pod because I've been listening and you do a great job. So I'm I oh, feel Marty. honored to be on your pod. Oh Marty, I love you. Uh, I had a question. Okay. <laughs> This is not one of Tim's questions. You're on TV all the time, right? Do you, because I've done some TV stuff. I think I've even been on air with you a few times. Do you have to watch hockey all the time? Because I don't like watching hockey that much. Like, is it tough to keep up with every single game, every single night? Like, how do you do it? Um, I don't keep up with every single game every single night, but I do watch hockey every day. Uh, the key is you have to have a really good personal assistant, or in my case, a 14 or 15-year-old son that likes to watch hockey. So when I wake up in the morning, he's already got a full hour of highlights, and he's gone on Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and on NHL.com and TSN.ca and whatever, and he can give me everything that's happened. So all I have to do is sit at breakfast with my son and I know exactly what's happened the night before, but I do watch. And I used to as well, even when I played John, I was watching games on non game day. Uh, I kept up with the league. I, I always was fascinated with other players, other goalies. I love, love talking goalies and studying the goal. We're not going to talk goalies here, Marty. Sorry. <laughs> You know, I can tell a lot of lies, you know, but usually I, I tell everybody <laughs> the truth. And, um, yeah, I love the game. So uh, when I retired, you know, I was getting tired of, 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 you know, your body is not, the you know, in the shape that it once was. And But I always loved the game. So I figured I'd better get in the action right away because I didn't want to step away from the game that far. And uh, I'm right back into it. Which is good. I feel like I loved watching when I was playing. It was great. I loved, like you said, keeping up and keeping tabs on people. But man, when I retired, I just felt like I needed to step away. I think I left on different terms than you did. I was like, obviously controversial with the whole all Did you know I was in the All-Star game? Did you hear about that? Yeah, I was watching at oh, home on my couch it. Okay. and I okay. was cheering for yeah. you. And man, you were... 
it was like practice back in the old New York Rangers days where you were sniping left and right. And the only difference is I was on my couch. I wasn't in the net. So uh, I felt uh, very happy about that. I remember the first practice with the Rangers. I, um, I got in early. I think I, I took the red eye there. I got traded to the Rangers from the Hawks at the deadline, like legit the last minute. So I show up in New York. I get there. First practice. I'm all I'm winded and gassed and jet lagged. And I sniped on you and Lundqvist. I think my first six shots, I was like going bar down and post in and over the pad and five hole. And I was like, holy moly, like what is happening right now? And then obviously everything came crashing down, but it was a good first impression. Yeah, that was my first impression of Marty's just going bar Bar down. down. Maybe you should have done that more often. No sleep. Just go to practice, party all night. Like, don't worry about taking care of your body. That's all you uh, that's all you were successful. I know. I was too responsible. I should have partied more and slept less, I guess, in order to be successful. Kids out there, that's how you make it. Don't sleep and don't even practice. Yeah, I don't think Torts would have liked that. He would not. Anyway, so yeah, we wanted to hear some Tortorella stories because I know you played under him for how long? I played under him for about uh, three and a half years, and I love Torts. I'll be honest you with you. Did. I absolutely loved him. Um, and my brother played for him in Tampa a little bit. And when I got drafted by the Sabres, John Tortorella was an assistant coach with the Sabres and coached the Rochester Americans. So I had had a, a, oh. a bit of a history with Torts going back. But I'll tell you, like, Torts' cardinal rule is you can never be late. And, and that is with meeting, uh, practice. And if it's a 10 o'clock meeting in the morning – that doesn't mean the meeting starts at 10 o'clock. It means the meeting will start at 9.52, and you have to be sitting in the meeting room at 9.45 because <laughs> if you're not sitting 15 minutes before meeting in the meeting room, you're late. And I, I think many times when you first come to an organization, you don't really know like what the, the, the standard procedures are. Are you having a lot of meetings? What about videos? Are they short video session, long video session? And with Torts, the number one thing everybody said is make sure you're on time. And on time means 15 minutes early. So that was the, my, my first reaction to it. And, and I, I mean, the reaction of players when they're late or when they're about to miss a meeting, it's the funniest, most scared the players have ever been when they know like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be late for the power play meeting. And they don't want to walk in as Torts is speaking. And they basically just don't go in, right? They, they just hope that he doesn't notice that you're not in the meeting. Um, so yeah, that was the first thing the guys told me when I signed in, uh, in, in uh, New York is don't be late because uh, he'll, he, he won't like that. I like that, though. I think that's old school. I think that shows respect. Even to this day, I like to get places at least on time. If I'm not on time, I am, like, embarrassed. So I like that. That makes me yeah, happy. but you know what? It was funny is that I, I and I keep telling everybody the story how the guys were actually actually scared of Tortorella and being late. So, so one day, I, I mean Brian Boyle, which is the nicest guy around, right? So Boiler is always on time. He works hard. He's the nicest guy in the locker room. And we're we showed up in the morning, and I don't remember if you were there, John, or not, but everybody was at the rink early. So on the board, it said 9.30 meeting. And so 9.30 meeting, you have to be in the, in the meeting room at 9.15. And, you know, it's about 8.30, 8.45 in the morning. So, you know, everything's good. 
Boiler decides he's going to go to the bathroom and bring the newspaper, you know, his morning routine and whatever. Well, since everybody was there, you know, uh, I think it was Ryan Callahan went to Torts and said, hey, can we move the meeting up to like nine o'clock because everybody's here? So Torts says, absolutely. So without Boiler knowing that the meetings had been moved up a half an hour, he, like, you know, everybody knew, but he was still in the bathroom and nobody told him. So me and Lundquist were getting dressed to go on the ice. The goalies, usually, we would go on the ice early. And Boiler gets out of the bathroom, and he comes into the locker room, and it's literally 8.55. It's not even 9 o'clock yet. So technically, he's not late. But he knows that he's really 10 minutes late. So we tell him, like, Boiler, the meetings move. It's 9 o'clock. It's 9 o'clock. And he's freaking out. Like, he's going, should I go in? Should I not? And he's doing the dance in the locker room. and And... He's like a big man, six foot five, 250 pounds, whatever. And he's scared of John Tortorella and what that's going to do. So he goes, screw it. I'm going in. So he runs around the corner and he walks into the meeting. And before Torts could even say anything, he goes, I was on the shitter. I was in the bathroom. I didn't know it was changed. I don't know. Like, like just preamped, like just went at Torts and Torts goes, Okay, just sit down. That's fine. Like, <laughs> it was so funny to know that a grown man, a big man like Brian Boyle, was was scared for his life because he was going to be late in one of John Tortorella meeting. That was like it, it was awesome. We still laugh to this day when we talk about that day. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, you never want to be late to me. I never had that problem. I was never in. I was in one meeting, the team meeting every day. Never in the power play, never in the penalty kill, never in the special teams, never in any meetings. They would write all the meetings on the board before every game. It's like, okay, 5.30 power play, 5.45 PK, 5.30 team meeting, or 5.50 team meeting, and I would just sit there and wait for the team meeting, and then I'd sneak in. And I was the only guy, which is embarrassing, because usually every guy has like, well, I might get on the PK, I might get on the power play. And so I would literally be sitting with the backup goalie in the other room, shooting the breeze, and then, okay, team meeting, they would open the doors, and it would just be me, walk in. Or if I was like the, sometimes they would dress 21 guys for warmups, just in case someone got hurt during warmups. And so I would be like the extra guy, and I would just like do my crossword, and oh, the meeting time, I'd come in, and it's like sit there and... Not even listening because you're not going to play that night. You say crossword, John, but I'll tell you, this is one thing like people always ask me, like, how is John Scott? Like, how was he as a, as a, as a teammate and all that? I say he was unbelievable as a teammate, but, but what people don't know is you are the king of crossword puzzle. We used to play like words with friends and uh, you know, the whole, the other one where you had to make like a bunch of four letter words, like in a, in a square or whatnot. And you used to absolutely like kick our butts all over the place. Like when I thought I'd have a good score, I'd have like 1500, you'd be beating me by like 3000 points. Like it was like insane. And I, I tell everybody, I'm like, yeah, no, he was a, he was a smart guy. like a college guy and an engineer guy, whatever. And he used to, you used to make us, uh, especially the French Canadian uh, look really uh, silly in those games. Well, I tell people I supplemented my hockey income with my card playing because I would play cards with you guys. And I would literally, just go home from every road trip with at least 500,000 bucks cash in my pocket. It was great because you guys are all stupid. Yeah. And you would just think you were so good at cards. A a few shirts and uh, a few vacation to, uh, to the card game back in the days. It was me, 
uh, Jay McKee, Danny Briere, and JP Dumont, and those guys would gang up on me, and I, I didn't know what was going on. Maybe I should have uh, asked for your help at some point because uh, we used to play, you know, snarples. We'd play like, uh, did you guys ever play Screw Your Neighbor, where it's like, yeah, uh, oh seven yeah, up, we played down. All. You know, we, we'd play Hearts, uh, all these games, and I'd lose, and literally, like the guys would feel bad for me, so they'd say, just. Uh, Give me like they, they, we call that a blue light, right? When they give you like a break yeah. on what you owe them. So yeah. yeah, it wasn't good. They don't feel bad for you, Mister First Round Pick. I don't feel bad for you. It's funny we played. I played with Gabby in Minnesota, and then we played in New York a little bit. And Gabby was so he hated to lose, and he would show up on every plane trip with like stacks of cash. It was crazy, and he would not. He would always buy back in until he would win. And some games he would just be in it for like two, three, four, five grand. I'm like, Gabby, what is happening with you? He's like, it's my money. I'm going to win. And he would just keep going until he won. And he, you can't listen. I was making league minimum and this guy's showing up with a bag of money with Louis Vuitton bag full of money. I'm like, I'm not going to win. It was just a losing battle. Yeah, but then the guys play in between. Didn't they play posts? Like That's in what the, he would have all the Rangers money for. And yeah. Stupid. Because oh. They would be like, it's not a game of, 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 of brains. It's a game of luck and when to bet. And these guys would be like ace queen, like, okay, okay. Uh, pot. And then they'd hit a queen and we would lose a game like five, two in, in Columbus and fly to New York. And the plane would erupt. Like we had just won the Stanley Cup <laughs> when somebody would hit the post. Like it was crazy. So for those of you who don't know in between is you get, you put two cards on the table, just say it's a, a six and a Jack. And you can either pass or you can bet in between. And the card has to come in between. And just say you bet $10. If it comes in between, you get that $10. If you bet $10 and it hits the post, you owe $20 to the pot. If it goes outside, you owe $10. So the pot continually grows exponentially. If the pot's at $400 and the cards come to queen and you bet pot and you hit the post, you owe $800 to the pot. And so it grows rather quickly. So Gabby, he didn't care. So the pot would be at like 1500 and it would come six Jack and he would go in between pot and then it would come Jack and he would have to put $3,000 into the pot and he didn't care. And he would just kept betting pot until he won his money. And so I come up, I'm like, I'll bet $20 and it's like a two and an ace. I'm like a hundred bucks. Cause I'm so super cheap. Anyways, whatever. Must be nice being first rounders. Okay, Tim, hit him with a question, Tim. Yeah, Marty, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your career. So you were a first round pick, like John said. Like, what was who was in your rookie class coming up with the Sabers? Who were the veterans in that room um, that kind of took you under their wing? And I'm wondering too. Like, you, were, I think you were one of the youngest goalies to ever break into the league. So, like, did you have any starstruck moments being a kid just kind of breaking in? Yeah, well, I got to play my first NHL game when I was 18 years old, and it happened by mistake a little bit. So I went to the Team Canada for the World Juniors training camp. I was an 18-year-old. We were in Campbellton, New Brunswick, I think it is. And I was one of the last player cut. The last four players cut were me, Danny Briere, Jay McKee, and Dan Cleary. And so I went back home and, you know, for Christmas break, and then on on uh, the morning of the uh, December 24th, I got a call from Larry Carrieri, who was the assistant general manager in Buffalo. And he says, Marty, we need you in, in Pittsburgh on the 26th. Um, Hasek is hurt. Uh, Andre Trefilov was the backup is hurt. Rob Stauber, who was a goalie in the American League with Rochester, 
has gotten shoulder surgery. So we only have Steve Shields left in our organization and you, who we just drafted this year. So I ended up going to Pittsburgh and I played my first NHL game as an 18-year-old against the Pittsburgh Penguins of 1995-96. I mean, that team was stacked, right? Lemieux was unbelievable. Yaramir Jagger. Um, the first shot I faced was Peter Nedved. He came down the wing on a partial breakaway. He shot it over my shoulder. It was in and out of the, the net before I could even react. Uh, I, was at, I, I was stretching during warm-up, and the old uh, igloo, the Mellon Arena in, uh, in Pittsburgh, you had to step on the ice and you would have to go to the other end of the, uh, the rink for your, uh, that's where your zone was for warm up. So I was in the warm up in the corner and I was stretching and I see all the Pittsburgh Penguins kind of stepping on the ice and all of a sudden there's a break, there's a pause and the crowd roars like they're so excited. And Mario Lemieux always stepped on the ice, the last player out of the locker room, the last player to go on the ice. He stepped on, he tapped my pads and he says, good luck, kid. Oh, and cool. he skated away. And I see this big, like 66, no helmet, the mullet, the big hair, right? Like Mario Lemieux in 95. And I'm like, I think I'm in trouble here. So, yeah. So that was a bit of a, uh, uh, aha moment, uh, for me as an 18 year old used to seeing like junior players coming down and all of a sudden you see Jagger and Lemieux and Nedved and, Oh man, they had so many guys on that team. It was crazy. That is so cool. I remember that old rink. That was cool. That was the old rink where you dressed in two different rooms, and the coaches were in one room, and the these are in the back with the, you know, the the, the sewer pipes on top of you, and uh, oh, it was just an awful, awful arena. I never played well there. Maybe because it was my first NHL game, and it left some scars. Uh, because I gave up four goals in the first period, sat on the bench for the second. Came back in the third oh, no. uh, and then played pretty well, but I, I never played well in Pittsburgh. And then I got abused by Jagger so many times. And then after that, I got abused by Sidney Crosby and Gino Malkin when I was with the Flyers. So, yeah, it wasn't a good place for me. Well, another Jagger, I think people say he's his clone. My buddy Thomas Hurdle lit you up before that one night. People say that ended your career, Marty. What do you have to say about that? Hey, listen, he didn't let me up before. And Lundqvist started that game. No, and then really? I had to go in because we were down like 4-1 <laughs> at some point. And they're like, okay, Marty, you're going to go in. And I went in, you know, cold uh, in the second period. And, yeah, the, the San Jose Sharks were feeling it that night. Uh, <laughs> when Hurdle came in on that breakaway and scored his fourth goal of the game, like at the moment, I really thought to myself, what just happened? And <laughs> I, I, I didn't know how did he score that goal? Like I blinked and, and the puck was in the net and everybody was mad on our side because the, the 19 year old kid was celebrating like it was the game winning goal uh, for the game. And it was eight to two at the time. I don't even remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of people think that ended my career. Uh, I got did. to play another game in St. Louis. A few days later, uh, which I did not finish, I got pulled in that game too. But <laughs> I knew that season was – yeah. All my stories start with – I got pulled that night, and uh, this is what happened. Um, but I knew this was going to be my last season. I was in New York. The family was back in Buffalo. Uh, I, You know, it was my last year of my contract. And leaving to go to New York was tough. Uh, because, you know, my third kid, so my second daughter was starting kindergarten. So I had a 
a fourth grader, a second grader, a kindergartner, and a pre-K. And I was going to leave for the whole season and be by myself in New York and just come back maybe a couple times a month on a day off, right? So, and it didn't start well. We had a new coach. I told you uh, at the start, I love John Tortorella, but he got fired at the end of the season, the, the previous season. So then Alain Vignon was coming in. Alain Vignon and I had a history, and the history went back to juniors where he hated my guts in juniors. <laughs> so I knew this was not going to be a really good, pleasant situation. Uh, and uh, he tried to, to do what's best for me uh, and protected me a little bit. But uh, after the game in St. Louis, I said to him and I said to Glenn Sater, I said, I need some time to think about what I want to do here. Like it doesn't really fit all well. And uh, I came back and I told him I was retiring and, you know, then they, they brought in Cam Talbot and probably never thought about me again. So that was good. Wow. I think <laughs> you did played, played pretty well, well for how long? long? 15, 15 years, 14, 14 years? years? Yeah, about 14, 15 years. You know, I had some really fun years in Buffalo. I played with Dominic Hasek, which was awesome. Yeah, what was that I mean, like? Because he's you know, arguably about, the best goalie ever, you know, right? Guys that took you under your wing and, and Dom, like, he didn't say much. But if he liked you, he would talk to you. He would, he would make sure you... Uh, um, yeah, you were all good. And, and we sat next to one another and he, he liked me and, you know, we would work together, but I mean, when you're 200 feet away in practice and the guys come down to your end because they can't score on Hasek, you know, you're getting lit up at the other end. Right. So, uh, um, he was, he was unbelievable as a teammate for me. Uh, what a great goalie. There was guys like Stu Barnes. I mean, he was our captain in Buffalo. He was one of the best teammates I've ever had. And then we had a good, a good group of young guys, but yeah, I played with Hasek in Buffalo. I played with Ryan Miller in Buffalo. I played with uh, Henrik Lundqvist in New York. So Man. I played with some really, really good goalies. Yeah. What's it? I, you mentioned it earlier. What is it like? Cause I feel like I know a little bit being a tough guy where you don't play for long periods and all of a sudden you're thrust into the action, but I can't imagine being a goalie where you legit sit there for 45 minutes. And then all of a sudden you're in the game and it's not like me where I can kind of hide and, you know, go for a 30 second shift. Like you're in the game. It's like, how long did that take to get used to? Cause you, you were a starter, you know, like it's tough. It's not easy. And when you're young, you want to get in the game. Like you're like, put me in coach. Like you're down to nothing after five minutes and you're looking at the coach, like put me in. Well, when you get older, you realize that going into cold in the middle of a game, the likeliness of uh, likeness of, of you doing well is is not that great. So when you see the score is like three nothing, four nothing, ten minutes left in a second, you try to almost make you invisible on the bench. Like I hope he never <laughs> looks my way. Like uh, I hope I don't hear my name right here. Like I, it's almost like you don't want to go in. And and I know some guys are gonna say, well, you got to prepare for that. But my best season with the Rangers and Henrik Lundqvist's best season with the Rangers, he played 62 games. I played 20 torts and torts was quick with his goalies. He never pulled any of us in any game. No so kidding. That That's was the best case scenario. Like if Hank didn't start, he knew he wasn't going in. If I didn't start, I knew I wasn't going in. I could take a break. He could take a break mentally and just not have that stress on your shoulders. So, and that was probably the best year of hockey, like goalie-wise, that we had. And Hank won the Vesna that year. 
we went to the conference finals against New Jersey that year, and I think we we had the better team. But uh, you know, New Jersey and Zach Parise and those guys uh, and Brodeur beat us. But uh, it I was, was on your it team that year, Marty. The, I know, I know. So Maybe that he... was, you know, that was probably my best my best year because a, a coach that would usually historically was quick at pulling a goalie never did. Even if it was, you know, I remember a game in Tampa, Hank didn't really have it, but I was supposed to play in Florida the next night. And Torts was like, no, he's staying in, he's staying oh. in. He's got to battle it out. And Marty's playing tomorrow. I don't want to make the change. And he stuck to it and it was good. That's crazy. That's why Torts, he, you get what you get with Torts. He, he is not, there's no hidden messages. There's no... Like, you know where you stand, and he's not going to sit there and kind of play games with you. He will tell you exactly what's going to happen. I, I do respect Torts in that way. I just don't think he treated me right. That's why I'm a little no, and then, annoyed with Torts. And you got, like, you got the treatment like everybody when they first come in. Brad Richards got traded, you know, from Dallas to the New York Rangers, and Torts would always do the same thing. Every new guy, if you got traded there, if you sign as a free agent, whatever – he would come into you after the first day or the second day, and he'd say like, and he said that to Brad Richard. He says, Richie, you know what? You're not in good shape. You're not. You're in good, not in good enough shape. You can't play 15, 16 minutes a game. I can't give you 50. You're not in good shape. You know, Dallas. They do things different in Dallas, but here in New York, you're gonna get in good shape. He did that to everybody that would come in because fitness was so important to him, and that's why you say you were bagged after you know your first practices and. You know, because practice are tough with Torque, and the pace of game and the pace of practice is really up. But once you get over that, so if you if you start training camp in September, you have a month to get used to it, and then the season starts, and then it's all good. Yeah. But if you get traded at the deadline and it's end of February, early March, you don't have time to get in the rhythm of things, and then he starts to – kind of hold it against players and say, he's not in good shape. I can't put him in there. I can't play him. He's not in good enough shape. Well, you got to give the guys a little bit of that breeding room, but he did that with the superstars and he did that with the backup goalies. He did that to me. So, I mean, that was, uh, at least he was, he was fair in that way that he treated almost everybody the same way. And you talked about Marin Gabrick. I mean, he was hard on Marin Gabrick. Uh, he was hard on Brendan Dubinsky. He was hard on Vinny Prospel. He was hard on everybody. That's the way he was. Yeah, he was hard. So you mentioned earlier, what's it like when a goalie gets pulled and you're high-fiving the goalie coming in? I've always thought that was a weird thing. I've never really talked to a goalie about it. Do you like, what do you say to the goalie, the goalie who's coming in and the goalie who's coming out? Like, what's it like from each perspective? I never understood why you're giving the guy a high five. Like, it's, I know. All, it's more like you, you, you should tap his pads and be like, Hey, you know, not your night, whatever. <laughs> like we got you or, but, or maybe, Hey, it's not your fault. We're playing like crap in front of you and it's not your fault. I'm going to try to go in there and do something, but the high five thing or the, the tapping on the gloves, I never really got it. Maybe you tap the guy on the pad to say, you know, not your fault. Sometimes you say, uh, you didn't have it tonight. It was your fault. But I think it's, you don't even have to say anything. It's kind of understood at that point. Uh, but I never liked going in in the middle of a game because the NHL is fast. 
Well, let me tell you, it's 10 times faster when you come in with eight minutes left in the second period and the faceoff is in uh, either in your zone or even at center ice after a goal. Like, you're mentally are, are disconnected from the game a little bit, and then you have to try to put it all together physically, mentally, and, and it flies around. Um, if you can get through the first five, six minutes, you should be all right. But a lot of guys that go in the net halfway in the game, they give up a goal five minutes in, two minutes in, because it's really hard to, uh, to catch up to the game. Oh, I know. I know when a goalie goes in, the coach instantly saying, let's go. Go side to side, get a shot right away. We want to put pucks on this guy like right away because he's cold. He hasn't seen a puck. He's not used to the speed, like you said. So, man, I can't imagine. So, one more question, yeah. Marty. Yeah, go. Be- because this is dropping the gloves, talk about the infamous line brawl and what on earth you were thinking fighting Ray Emery, who is, who was, excuse me, rest his soul. He's passed away now. I played with Ray. Yeah. Golden Gloves boxer, loves to fight. What were you thinking when you took your gear off and he's smiling at you? Were you like, what is happening? Take us take us through. Yeah, I tell this story um, a lot. And, and people in Buffalo and fans in Buffalo always want to know, like, they, they, number one, I think I met about 150,000 people that were at the game that, that night. <laughs> like, there's 18,000 there. seats and I talked to, like, 150,000 of them are like, I was at that game. I was at that game. I'm like, what is that? Have I met everybody that was at that <laughs> game? Like literally. But um, so I was maybe playing junior hockey. I was like a 17, 18 year old kid at the time, I think. And Felix Podvin beat the snot out, out of Ron Ekstall, right? Just yeah. bled him to death. And Philly Spodvin was 5'10", 5'11", 170 pounds, and Ron Stahl was a killer, was a, was a crazy guy. So I always thought I could be Philly Spodvin. I could be the, 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 the skinny, you know, not-too-strong guy that will get a couple of lucky punch in. And I remember I got into a, a, a couple of, uh, you know, scrums with Sean Burke one year when Berkey was with Arizona. And everybody was like, "Ah, uh-uh, Marty, don't even go near Berkey. He's way too strong for you. John Graham in Tampa Bay, I went after, I skidded all the way down the ice one year, and I tried to pull him out of the pile. And I remember Corey Serge, that was a good friend of mine, he pulled me aside and he goes, Marty, he's going to kill you. I'm like, no, 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 I can take him. I can take him. So now, finally, I have my chance. I have my chance to go and be on all the highlight reels and be the, the new age Felix Podvin that's going to beat the Ron Ekstall. So I'm like 175 pounds at the time, and Ray is like 230. So I know he's got the weight advantage, but I'm like, I'm, I could get a lucky punch, and maybe I sting him and he'll go down. Well, the problem is I had never really worked on fighting before. Like, I never wrestled with guys after practice. Nobody ever told me. Hey, you got to reach with your left hand, try to grab the jersey by the right elbow so you can neutralize his punching hand. And then you got to kind of protect your face and, and try to get your right hand loose and, you know, maybe even slip it out of your jersey so you can get it loose and go. So you didn't know so anything. When we squared off, I didn't know anything. Nobody told me. So when we squared off, I was circling around like a boxer around the ring but I was circling on the wrong side. So when I reached in and John, you will know, I reached in with my right, with your hand, right hand yeah. and I grabbed his left shoulder 
And basically, the, the bombs are coming flying at my face within like a, a second after that. And I was like, oh, I'm in trouble here. So, I mean, terrible technique. Um, <laughs> the, the one good thing is he didn't hit me in the face. He no, punched it didn't me in look the back like he of the connected. head. Yeah. And that hurt like hell. I had a goosebump, like I did one of those like egg in the back of the head, like Fred Flintstone stuff for literally two weeks and it hurt like hell, but uh, I was lucky it didn't connect with my face because I'd probably still be, been on the ice, uh, you know, many hours after the game. It's funny. That's a good story. And I know anytime you're going to fight someone and they're smiling at you before the fight, I think you should reevaluate if this is a good idea because that man, he was a tough, tough, tough kid. It was on any pity afterwards. All the tough guys yeah. in the American league. He used to fight all the tough guys in the American league. There's, Ottawa Senators told Ray Emery, like, you need to stop fighting. We will not call you up to Ottawa <laughs> until you settle down because he would literally be the toughest guy on bingo and take on all the tough guys and always get in the fight. So, uh, but you know what, though? I'll tell you this. You, you play hockey and you, you become a family in the locker room. And when Chris Neal hit Chris Drury right before the brawl happened on the next whistle, like that was our captain and our captain was laying down on the ice, bleeding out of his face with a serious concussion. We had lost a few guys to injury in the games prior to that. And then Lindy Ruff was a very intense coach. He's, he's putting Andrew Peters, Adam Mayer and Pat Coletto. Coletto was his first NHL game. I knew at that moment, like all hell was going to break loose. So that was my, my chance. And uh, uh, yeah, if you listen to the Ottawa broadcast, it sounds like I was absolutely murdered. If you listen to Rick Jenneret and the Sabres broadcast, it sounds like it was a tie. So, you know, you got to take it for what it is. I'll listen to the Rick Jenneret, the RJ one. That's the one I like to listen to. That's yeah, funny. All yeah, right. That's what you, everybody should do. All right, Marty. Well, hey, man, I appreciate it. Always a pleasure talking to you, Tim. I'm sure you guys will be talking soon. Yeah, I'll call you in five minutes, Marty. <laughs> Yeah, and please put your ticket ticket request for any Sabres game right now. And, uh, you know, the big ones are Toronto. So if you want four or five tickets for the Toronto game, John would tell you there's more Toronto fans in the building than Sabres fans at times. So uh, put your request in uh, pretty soon. And get it in early, Tim. All right, Marty, man. I appreciate it, buddy. I hope all is well. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. And, uh, yeah, tell the family hi. I will. You do the same. Stay safe. And uh, thanks for having me on your podcast, big guy. No worries, buddy. We'll see ya. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Dropping Underscore Gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including T-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time.